You're listening to the Better Together podcast, brought to you by the National Association of Free Will Baptists. Welcome to the Better Together podcast, where we look for ways we can work together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we have with us Dr. Vernon Whaley. He's the dean of the School of Music at Trevecca University. He's a longtime uh, professor, longtime uh, musician and worship leader. He taught at Free Will Baptist Bible College, now Welch College back in the day, and was also the dean over at Liberty University. And uh, I'm going to say, Dr. Whaley, you are to me, though, the Whaley son, you and Rodney, <laughs> because I knew them growing up and they were so special to me. So I want to say thank you for taking the time to be with us today, my friend. Glad to be here, and thank you for inviting me to come and kind of tell some of the stories. And yeah, I, I still consider myself Free Will Baptist, consider myself um, a recipient of all the ministry and the work that my parents did for the Free Will Baptist as pioneer missionaries to Alaska. And then uh, later on, as mom and dad served at Bethel Church there in Kinston, North Carolina. That was a, that was a good time. That yep, was. There were great days. And so your parents were special in so many ways, and they raised some really good uh, children that uh, went on and did some have done some good work, you and Rodney, and we appreciate you. And one of the, part of the good work that you did many, many years ago was this Rejoice Hymnal. So you were the chair of the, I guess it was the music commission even back then, that put this hymnal together that so many of our churches use and so many others as well use week after week to worship with. Uh, I know our listeners are thinking, uh, I know a lot about the Rejoice Hymnal. Many of them use it every Sunday. How did this hymn book come to be? How, what was up with that? Well, uh, it was kind of a, a process. Uh, most people know that I served for seven years with Melvin Worthington as his worship pastor. And uh, during that time, uh, I was attending Lutherized Seminary and working on my master's degree. And I had to do a thesis. And um, so I began kind of doing some research. What could I do my thesis on? So I decided, okay, I need to do a history of Free Will Baptist Hymnody. And as I began researching the hymnals that had been developed and published over the decades, starting back in actually the first Free Will Baptist hymnal that was ever published was in 1778. And so going all the way back to one that was published back then by Benjamin Randall, and then going forward, I began realizing that the Free Will Baptist had quite a heritage in it. But up to that point, this would have been around 1980, maybe 1977. Mm. Um, we were still using the Free Will Baptist Hymnal that had been published by the National Association in 1964. And so usually the life of a hymnal is about 20, 25 years. And so it was time to kind of start looking to see if we needed a new hymnal. So I ended up doing a companion to the Free Will Baptist Hymnal along with this historical research. Now looking back on it, the history would have been plenty, but I have always been a glutton for punishment, I suppose. But anyway, I took the first half of that hymnal and researched the story behind uh, the 416 hymns that were in that hymnal. And so at the conclusion of it, uh, part of it dealt with uh, the need for a new hymnal. Well then, as Melvin Worthington was prone to do, he kept encouraging me to go on and get my doctorate degree. So I went on and got my doctor of ministry degree. And as part of that, I had to do another writing project. So I did the other half of the uh, companion and I did another 216 or 17 um, hymns, told the story behind it. But in that process, did a rather extensive survey 
to the Free Will Baptists to see if they really wanted a new hymnal. And there was overwhelming um, consensus that we needed a new hymnal. So I began doing some research on that. Then fast forwarded a couple years, and Dr. Worthington comes as executive secretary for the Free Will Baptist, and I'm serving at Free Will Baptist Bible College as the chair of their music department. And uh, I get a telephone call one day from Dr. Worthington and ask if I still wanted to do that hymnal. And I said, well, absolutely. And so uh, he said, how about let's put together a uh, a committee that was going to just investigate. I think they called it an investigation committee. That may not be the right term. But um, that it, it included myself. It included Blaine Hughes, um, Bill Gardner, Floyd Wiffenbarker, Ted Wilbanks. And we just met and decided, do we really need a hymnal? Mm-hmm. And out of that came another survey that Jonathan and Yvonne Thigpen did to a broader number, uh, to about, um, I'm going to say 2,000 Free Will mm-hmm. Baptists across mm-hmm. the country. And they uh, included, um, oh, goodness, they included a huge number of pastors, a number of, at that time we only had a handful of uh, song leaders and music directors. It included those that were teaching at the three uh, colleges yeah. uh, in the denomination at that time. Actually, four counting California Christian College. Um, so it was it, it was quite a number, and mm-hmm. the overwhelming consensus was we need a new hymnal. So uh, that report was taken to the executive committee. The executive committee uh, took a report to the national convention. In turn, the national convention agreed to establish a hymnal committee that would put together a new hymnal, and that would have been in uh, 1985. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So then, and we started to work. And we just hunkered down and started picking out songs. We called in professionals to help us and so forth. One of the men that we called in was a guy by the name of Bob McKenzie. Bob McKenzie at the time was the president of what was then the Benson Music Company. And he had put together hymnals. He had um, been very interested in what we were doing because they had published, uh, the home mission department had published a little hymnal of it was a shape note hymnal that had been basically one of their songs of inspiration books with 10 or 12 songs written by Free Will Baptist in it. And so um, he was very interested and said, well, who, who did this? What did it? Well, he came on board as our copyright consultant oh. and really helped coordinate the entire project. And um, then later on, we kind of came, became the project manager for the entire hymnal. Uh, we spent two years working on it, putting it together, getting it all printed, um, deciding on the font, deciding of just everything, everything from the organization of the hymnal to what kind of songs. We literally sang through every song that is presently in the hymnal to see if it, it is what I, we would all call singable. We went through the old hymnal that we had that was written in 1964, picked out probably 150 of those songs that said, yes, everybody still sings these songs. Then we went back to a 1958 hymnal that was published by the Aiden Press, and they had had quite a success in it. And one of the songs they had in their hymnal, we didn't have in ours, was Great Is Our Faithfulness. So we wanted to make sure we had that in ours. One of the hymnals, songs we had in the, the 64 hymnal that they didn't have in their 58 hymnal was How Great Thou Art. So it was a, a number of kind of switcheroo kind of things we did in trying to find resources. And then we went back to some of those hymnals that had been published as part of the Free Will Baptist movement under the Randall um, Northern Baptist, because the southern, ba- the southern part of the Free Will Baptist had some hymnals, but they weren't near as popular as those that were in the north. And so we started p- 
pulling out songs that we felt like, now what are songs that are unique to the Free Will Baptist? And so we were very, very careful to make sure that in this body of hymnals, of songs, uh, and we can talk about the organization of it in a mm-hmm. bit, uh, we want to make sure we include those that have been written by or for uh, Free Will Baptist. So, um, Oh, What a Savior was included in it, which was written by uh, a Free Will Baptist, and I.J. Blackwater had written a couple songs, and there were some other songs by some of the guys that had been influential in the 1930s and 40s that we felt like we need to include in our hymnal, so we grabbed those, and through it all, we kind of came up with the hymnal and we presented at the um, convention in Birmingham in 1988, mm. and at that, let's see, I'm kind of thinking... It may have been the Tuesday night service. I'm, it wasn't during the mission service, which was Wednesday night traditionally. So I think it was Tuesday night. We presented the hymnal, and we had uh, sample copies of the hymnal for everybody. Uh, they weren't the hymnal, but it, it was a handout. There was a 10-page handout that looked just like the hymnal, kind of st- told a little bit of a story about the hymnal. And then we had a real-life um, model that was probably six feet tall mm-hmm. of the hymnal that we had on the stage mm-hmm. and uh, kind of went through it and shared it with everybody. It was a cool night, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm thinking about the, and I'm looking at the list there. Are you and Doug Little the only survivors? Uh, my brother's still with us. There you um, go. Yeah, I think. I missed Rodney. Rodney, yeah. we know you're with us. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Floyd Wiffenbarker um, was really... Mm incredibly and wonderfully influential mm. on helping us keep our feet on the ground and making sure that we included the old line Free Will Baptist songs, mm-hmm. songs like Hold to God's Unchanging Hand, it Just Don't Talk With Jesus and stuff that the um, people in Ohio, the eastern parts of Tennessee, western parts of North Carolina, uh, our brothers and sisters in Kentucky and western West Virginia, et cetera, would really hold on to and really enjoyed. Yes. And then, and so he was really influential in that area. He also, uh, if you knew Floyd, he was a really strong theologian, and so he was wonderful to have on it. And but a he, writer, he, too, he wasn't he? Yeah, well, he ended up passing away yeah. in, um, I'm going to say it was April of um, the second year mm-hmm. we had been putting together the hymnal. So we put in his place uh, my brother, Rodney, mm-hmm. who at that time had become the chairman of the Department of Music. I had moved on out to Oklahoma and was helping at Southern Oaks Free Will Baptist Church. And um, so we, then we continued. And that, when we started the hymnal, Doug Little was at that church in Southern Oaks. He, uh, after that, moved over to uh, Russellville, uh, yes. Arkansas. And ironically, Floyd Wiffenbarger had been at Russellville, but he passed away while he was pastor in that church. Blaine Hughes was over at Peace Free Will Baptist Church in North Carolina. Leroy Cutler was a pastor. He was down in Jacksonville, Florida. And Leroy and his family had for years and years had a family of singers mm. and just had a really strong following in the denomination. Uh, then uh, Bill Gardner was kind of considered one of the favorite tenors that always sang at the National Convention, and it was just kind of a natural to include him on that. And Ted Wilbanks had been over at California Christian College, um, which was a Free Will Baptist College, as their director of music, came back to Free Will Baptist Bible College, served a couple years, and then had settled in in North Carolina, but he was a longtime Free Will Baptist, a wonderfully gifted pianist. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of put together the team in a uh, from there, we we divvied out responsibilities to everybody, and then we um, uh, 
put together the book, but it was more than that. We really became real strong brothers. Mm-hmm. Not seen on this are two personalities. Uh, I mentioned Bob McKenzie. Bob McKenzie was really vitally involved in this thing almost daily as we began working through this thing, and he's gone to be with the Lord. And a guy by the name of Dave Gorman, who was his associate, both of those guys worked on all the copyright managements. They, they helped us while the, getting all the notations printed, sure. getting all the typesetting done, proofing those typesettings. It was a, quite a, a task. Work. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I left uh, and the day we presented it at the convention in 1988. I said, well, I said, we have millions of opportunities to make mistakes, and we took everyone we could. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I think it, now looking back on it, that how daunting it was to take on that task mm-hmm. and to not have any more staff help that we had. Most of it I did with burning a lot of late-night oil and yeah, so and before we really had computers and all of that kind of business, uh, it was a different day. It was a different day. Yeah, we, we didn't have we didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> of what happened. So, you've you put it together, and it's clear you all had in mind worship when you put the hymnal together. So talk with us a bit about how it can be used in worship. Well, I think that there's a couple of things that we kept in mind that I, I, I probably ought to throw out here somewhere. We really felt committed that this needed to be a Free Will Baptist hymnal, mm-hmm. not a Southern Baptist hymnal that had been reworked for the Free Will Baptist or had uh, thrown in a couple extra songs. Okay, That, that to us was really important. It, well, you wanted it to be thoroughly Free Will Baptist in its theme and its presentation and its theology and in its doctrine. So there are some things that are unique about the Free Will Baptist, and sometimes we walk away from them, sometimes we don't. Like we have a whole section of songs on feet washing. Mm-hmm. Well, there are not many denominations that practice that as an ordinance. Reality is a lot of Free Will Baptists don't practice it yet. Yeah. But, the, but the, reality, the, the theology and the doctrines that we espouse teaches that kind of uh, practice. And so we included songs on that. Um, there was another issue we thought was very important, and that was the regional um, differences in the denomination. We'd always kind of had said, well, you've got those in the East, and you've got those in the West or in the Midwest. But the reality is there is a real strong stream of um, uh, Free Will Baptist churches all along the Appalachian trails. Okay, Most of those churches still to this day sing songs that are in shape notes. Mm-hmm. And so it was... <laughs> Uh, the 64 hymnal was published in shape notes. Those that read shape notes don't necessarily always read round notes, but those who read round notes can always read the shape notes. So it was always, so. well, we just need to do another shape note version. But moving forward and what we were seeing beginning to take place, this is the late 80s, getting ready to take place in the next decade, and then on into the 21st century, we felt like we needed a round note version. To make a long story short, we published 60,000 round notebooks and 40,000 shape notebooks. And all, every, all along the way, everyone said, you'll never sell those shape notebooks. Well, we sold out of those babies first. And then we turned around and reordered some more, I think 20,000. And then we sold out of the round note version. And we were, we were told we wouldn't sell 5,000 books, period. And I think that it just kind of showed how desperate the populace the average Free Will Baptist really wanted something to hold in their hand that would represent all the songs that they wanted to sing. Yeah. So what we actually did, I think I've listed some things in the preface of this book, if I can find them real quick, um, that kind of um, um, marks what we did. We, we took songs from every kind of Christian music heritage we could find. Let's see... Um, 
uh, without getting too bogged down here, uh, if you'll if you'll look in the pro- pre- preface, I'll say in an effort to encourage and perpetuate our dynamic heritage of Free Will Baptist congregational singing, we've included hymns and gospel songs from every tradition of Christian hymnody. The contents of Rejoice are drawn from Western European, American folk, singing convention that had never been put in a book. We have 60 songs by Gaither in this book. Mm-hmm. It was like the most, the, any Gaither songs have been put in any one book at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, scripture song, youth courses, gospel songs, and other traditions. We just felt like it was really important to do the whole body of Christ and be a representation of that. Now things have changed significantly in the song selections that we have today, but I think given an understanding of what we knew and were practicing up until the mid-90s, this book really is a really strong representation of Mm -hmm. all that. Um, The book itself is divided into uh, probably, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten or twelve different sections. The bigger sections are um, a section we call Rejoice in the Lord, Rejoice in the Gospel, Rejoice in the Church, Rejoice in the Christian Life, Rejoice in our Eternal Hope, Rejoice in the Special Times and Seasons, and then a whole series of indices that are there. There are some things that make the book unique, besides the fact that we have our church, Free Will Baptist Church Covenant in the front, and no other book has that, is that we began, as we were organizing according to different sections, we would include every kind of style that belonged under that section. So it wasn't that we were just going to do Southern Gospel songs and we've got it stuck in the back. No, if the Southern Gospel song, uh, for instance, if I can find one real quick, um, well, the Comforters Come is 196. It's not Southern Gospel necessarily. But let's say if I can find one, 311 was one. Okay. You take a song like Without Him, which was was written by Mylon Lefebvre. That was a, it was not Southern Gospel, but it was made famous by a quartet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other songs like um, uh, with what was one I mentioned a while ago, Just a Little Talk with Jesus. Yeah. What we did is we didn't isolate them according to stylistic preference. We put them in theological subjects mm-hmm. so that we were really consistent all the way through to make sure we told the story of redemption from the beginning to the end. Another thing that we did up to this point, hymnals were, were usually organized by here are all the hymns, uh, and now we have responsive readings in the back. Yes. Okay, if you remember as a kid maybe uh, you would, the, the pastor might say, okay, I want you to take your hymnals, turn to... And use them in the back, so let's let's turn to page 799, and um, we're going to read John 14, let's say. Okay, and the way it was set up, it was pastor, congregation, pastor, congregation, so forth. What we did is we didn't reject the idea of, of responsive readings, but we placed the scripture readings all throughout the, the book so that they could be grouped quickly and easily with the themes of the hymns that uh, were being presented. And we found a great success in that. Mm-hmm. And another thing that we added to it, because we didn't run and say, okay, this is the, these are the new hymns and these are the old hymns, these are the Southern Gospel, these are the worship and praise, it would give us opportunity, for instance, to take a song like This is the Day the Lord Has Made and have it really closely identified with um, a song like um, God Bless America or, mm-hmm. or whatever else the, the case may be. Uh, I was looking at one right here. It said, No Tears in Heaven. Well, that was one of those 
We sent, we sent and asked Bill Gaither if he would send us a list of 75 Stamp Spectre songs he thought ought, ought to be in the hymnal. For those that don't know what the Stamp Spectre songs are, Stamp Spectre was a publishing company based in Dallas, Texas. Oh, goodness, I said all the way up until the mid-1980s. They published little hymnal booklets, and they would sell these at singing convention gatherings, uh, usually kind of a dinner on the ground kind of thing on a Saturday. In the morning, they'd have music lessons. In the afternoon, they'd have music lessons. That night, they'd have a big concert, and they'd all sing, usually using uh, the shape note version and the solfege singing that would go along with it as their mode of um, operation for the, the services. And so we we asked Bill if he would pick out 75 of those songs. Boom, he just did it. One of those songs was No Tears in Heaven. Mm. He picked that out for us. It was kind of interesting. But here's the interesting, just to show you the, how that works. The, the, where I am right now in the hymnal is Our Eternal Hope in Heaven. We'll just listen to the songs that are, that are in here. How Beautiful Heaven Must Be, Just Over in the Glory Land, I'll Meet You by the River, When the Roll is Caught Up Yonder, No Tears in Heaven, it was just amazing what a day. It's, I said what a day that would be. Listen, there's another one here I saw as I was passing. My Savior, first of all. So what we did, we were able to take, here's a, as an old one, Zion's Hill. You would say, where did that come from? Well, that was an old um, song that was drawn from the camp meeting days in 1820. So it's, it's just a, won't it be wonderful there? All these are the, I'll meet you in the morning, home of the soul, when we all get to heaven. Here's, a, here's one. This was a brown one that came out of a children's musical. And at the time, Steve Elkins was a, was a free will Baptist at Donaldson Church. Yes. And he wrote the song, When We Get to Heaven. Well, we put it in the hymnal. And it's just amazing as you kind of go through this and you see this this old song, Heaven's Jubilee. That was another song that Bill Gaither recommended we put in the hymnal. Uh, when We See Christ was a, a newer song that was published by Singspiration Press at the time. I mean, it just really was a, a real strong representation of the, gro- the cross-section um, population we had and of the theology that we teach and we believe and the doctrines we practice. Mm. And quite an undertaking, and you get it all in print, and then you start finding errors, oh. don't you? <laughs> well, I'm, I, I, yeah, this is one of those kind of best-kept secrets. No, Most people didn't know about this. Um, I remember getting a—I won't reveal who it was, but I remember getting a telephone call from a pastor who here was in Middle Tennessee State, in Middle Tennessee. I'll tell you when we get done who it was. He said, I got my new hymnals. It's wonderful. He said, but there are mistakes everywhere. I said, what do you mean? Because we thought we had really cleaned this up. Well, sure enough, there were spelling errors. There were lines that weren't quite right. And there were verses backwards. There were verses started and not finished. And, oh, Lord, have mercy. That's when I said I made we made it. We took every chance we could to make mistakes. Yeah. Well, the reality is um, when we, oh, we were devastated. What are we going to do about this? Well, lo and behold, I don't know if you want to call this providential <laughs> or just Vernon getting himself out of a major jam. Uh, we discovered that hymn 311, which is the song Since Jesus Came In, it was written by Raymond Lee, who was a Freewell Baptist Bible College graduate, and he had died in his senior year as a student there on the basketball court, as a student body president. And it was just a devastating experience to the, the students during that time. And I think it if I'm right, it happened in 1965 or 66. And um, he had written a song as a young college student called Since Jesus Came In. Well, we put it in the hymnal. We had two versions. We had the shape note version and the round note version. 
Ironically, most of the mistakes that we found were not in the shape note version. They were in that round note version. And the reason was because we had to go through and totally retypeset all of the stuff that was in the shape note version. In the round note version, we had borrowed plates from the Gaither Company, and they did a hymnal called Hymns for the Family of God. So it gave us opportunity to take the songs we knew we wanted to use and the engravings, which are terribly expensive to, to, to create, and use them. It didn't cost us any extra money. We got their negatives. But we found out there's where the mistakes were in many cases. Mm. So we, we assumed that they were right. And anyway, what we found out, though, is that on page 311, there was a shape note version of one page inserted in the round note book. So we sent it back to the printer, and they debated it. Well, then we sent them the blue. It's called the blue line. The blue line, which I still had in my possession, to prove to them that what we approved was correct. It was their mistake. Well, they still debated it. And finally, uh, they referred it to a judge. It's like one step before going to court. And um, the judge ruled in our favor. And not only that, but he said, you will need to print all 100,000 of these over. So we said... Mr. Judge, <laughs> can we correct those mistakes? Yeah. And he gave us permission to correct the mistakes to the chagrin of the publishing company, the printing company. Well, it allowed us to come back and really fix those things without having to fix some kind of a router thing. That you, mm-hmm. Here's all the mistakes, folks, and confess our sins to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was an amazing moment. It was just that one page right there. The other page behind it was correct. Mm. And so... Uh, we looked at they t- they they kept trying to say just just glue another page in there. We said no, and we would describe some of our churches that they use these for other purposes. I never did say they used them as they stacked them up together so they could do their Christmas presentations <laughs> no, on them. We didn't. We don't bring that no, up. No. no, we left that out. But um, that was there were a couple of other things that happened along the way that uh, kind of make for novel experiences. I think looking back on it, um, first of all, I had no idea. Uh, at the time, I was probably 36 years old, maybe by the time we finished it all, uh, I would have been 37 mm. when we had that meeting in third, mm-hmm. turn 38 that fall. Mm. So in, in the big scope of things, that's kind of young to be doing that kind of project. Yes. I had no idea that it was going to have the impact in the body of Christ that it had. Uh in recent months, I've gone back to different Fruit Baptist churches, and the books are still in the pews. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, I was at a funeral recently, and um, over in Missouri, they use the hymnal. And what they do on Sunday mornings, they have the hymn numbers up on the screen, and right behind it, they have whatever praise and worship song they're going to be doing. And they integrate that. It's what I call blended worship, but they, don't just, they just call it singing to the Lord. Yeah. And in reality, that's what it needs to be. Yeah. But um, it's even then, it's kind of a blessing to look at it and kind of reminisce it and think about it. Of these guys that put it together, the Lord's called them home. Uh, Doug Little, myself, and Rodney are the only three that are left. Um, but I tell you, there's some a lot of time from Bill Gardner and Leroy Cutler picked out all the scripture. Wow. And they were the ones that assigned it to the areas. And what we did was go through and organize our hymnal according to their uh, subjects for the Scripture. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know that. No. Blaine Hughes and Doug and I did all the musical editing for it. Um, 
I've forgotten the task that Ted did. There was a, something about making sure that the um, there was some consistency of the phrasing and so forth mm-hmm. and on. But everyone had a little different task they needed to do. Rodney came on last after Floyd passed away. It was interesting because he's the one that pushed us pretty hard to include praise and worship songs into mm. it. Because up to that point, I was thinking, well, let's play it safe. Yeah. I, I don't want people to get angry at us because, I, you know, the, uh, uh, people sometimes it's, it will turn take your good and it's evil spoken of in the process, and we didn't want to do that. But he was very judicious in the way he helped us pick out those praise and worship songs. Now looking back on it, it's probably one of the wisest things we did. We have over 100 of those songs in here. Mm-hmm. Good job. Well, you guys, it's such a, a wonderful job, and we're indebted to you. And like you say, you'll, uh, I'm in a lot of churches every year as well, and I see the hymnal, and uh, people use screens and so forth as well, but they'll use the hymnal from time to time for some people, that's all they use. Uh-huh. And it has it's just been really such a wonderful help to so many, and not just to us as Free Will Baptists, but so many others who've come along and used it as well. So thank well, you. Well, you're welcome. And one of the things that I think was one of the pleasures that we have, the joys, is they created a second version of the hymnal. We jokingly called it the generic version. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, in looking back on it, there are some probably uh, – different decisions we've made and who distributed the book and so forth. But it did give us an opportunity to reach into the broader church market. Mm-hmm. And that, too, was looked at with a little bit of suspicion. You can't do it. So we only printed 100,000 of those. And I'm last I heard they were like on their fifth or sixth printing of that. Yeah. Um, there are still a lot of churches that use the hymnal. Mm-hmm. And um, many of them are, are ruled. Many of them are churches that are not necessarily interested at all in the big bands and all the lights and all the stuff. Uh, so to find a place that kind of fits in both worlds, uh, I think it's still there. Mm-hmm. I, I would be curious to see how the Lord opened up doors for us to do a new Free Will Baptist Seminole and to see where the Lord would take it. I'm sure it would look different. It would have some of the same purposes, though. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that some of the same motives and mission that we carried with us would be carried over into that endeavor as well. Very good. Well, thank you, my friend, and thank you for stopping in and giving us a brief history, if you will, of the Rejoice Hymnal. Uh, thank you for all the work uh, the team there did to put that together. We appreciate you, and we appreciate your ministry, my friend. Well, thank you. I, I can't take the credit to do it all by myself. One of the champions for this, which has probably gone un- unsaid, is Melvin Worthington. Yeah. He, uh, he uh, <clears throat> picked up that phone and... Uh, he kept calling and kept working at it. Didn't <laughs> well, he believed in it more than I believed in it, and yeah. it was um, uh, it was to his credit, I think, at the end of the day, that we really have it as much as anything else. Absolutely. So, thank you, Doctor Worthington, for yeah, amen <laughs> for that. Well, and we want to thank you who are listening in today. Thank you for taking the time to spend this with us. I bet you know someone that would benefit from this podcast. How about taking it and sharing it with them? Remember, every little thing we do, it matters. Uh, We truly are better when we work together.